Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. Give the Lord a big shout. Stand to your feet. Give Jesus the biggest clap you can give him. Come on, somebody. Come on, New Beginnings. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Give him all the glory. Give him all the praise. Even though the governor said don't praise him, praise him anyway. That was another state. Lift holy hands to God today. Father, we thank you that you are an awesome God. We thank you that we can come into this place and worship you. We thank you that we can lift our hands and bless your name and worship you and serve you, God. Thanking you for how far you've brought us. We may not be where we want to be, but thank God we're not where we used to be. We thank you that we're on our way. We thank you that the best is yet to come. We thank you that you're still on the throne. We thank you that you have gotten us the victory. We thank you that the devil is defeated and Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Somebody shout this morning. Turn to the person next to you and say, you look better than you did last time I saw you. Looking better every day. You can be seated if you can. Thank you. If you guys could turn me up a little bit in the house, I appreciate it. The monitors, rather. And uh, I, I promise I won't blow this mic up, even though I feel like lightning is going through me right now. You know, they always, they always ask me if you want the handheld or do you want the, the clip-on mic. And, you know, it's unanimous, the handheld. Because I like to feel the power. <laughs> I want to welcome Pastor Ed and Cheryl in the Shereem Church in Portland, Oregon. Pastor Ed and Cheryl were with us last week. and Thank you for those guys. I got to spend some time with them when I was up there uh, recently. And we had a great time. And Pastor Ed has not changed. <laughs> He's just cracking jokes left and right. We're out in Vancouver, eating on the water, and he's just cracking jokes left and right. I said, the same old Pastor Ed. <laughs> Remember Pastor and Tiz, they're uh, away together enjoying uh, Thanksgiving up in the mountains. Man, I'm jealous. So let's remember them and the family. Uh, I'm going to just get right into the message today, if you guys don't mind, because I am just, uh, I just have a burden on my heart today. And it's not, a, it's not a bad thing, but my heart has been burdened. It has for a long time. Actually, my heart got burdened when I gave my life to Christ at 17. Amen. And God put a burden on my heart for people that has never went away. And uh, I just believe that you and I are living in a time to see the greatest harvest of souls come to Jesus Christ. I really believe that. There is a mobilizing of believers to reach the world for Jesus Christ. I call it a total mobilization to reach an end-time generation. The White House is not the hope for America. The media is definitely not the hope of America. Republicans are not the hope of America. Democrats are not the hope of America. 
Religion is not the hope of America. Jesus Christ and the gospel is the hope of the United States and every nation of the world. Jesus and only Jesus. Can you shout amen? God is mobilizing his saints. He's mobilizing his soldiers. He is mobilizing his people all over the world. The word mobilize means to assemble and make ready for war. This is not a time for us to disengage. This is not a time for us to run and hide. This is not a time for us to go hang out in the woods. Come on, living underground. This is a time for us to not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is time for us to lift up our mouths. It is time for us to declare the good news from the housetops, from the church tops, and from every mountaintop, and declare that Jesus Christ is the hope for all humanity. It is time for the church to come out of the closet. It's time for the church to lift up the name above all names and declare to the world there is no no other hope but the name of Jesus. Somebody shout Jesus. The title of this message today is your destiny is to go to heaven, but your mission is to bring heaven. Your destiny is to go to heaven. If you're born again, you're on your way to heaven. If you're not born again, if you're not right with God, this service is about you. Because at the end of this message, we're going to give you an opportunity to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. We're going to give you an opportunity to come and have an encounter with the living God that has changed our lives. If it wasn't for somebody telling me about Jesus, I would be probably strung out on drugs. I would probably be in prison today, or I would probably be six feet under. But somebody had the guts to tell me that Jesus loves me. Somebody had the guts to tell me that God cared for me. Somebody had the guts to confront me in my sin and to tell me if I don't get right with God. I'm on my way to hell. Somebody had the guts to let me know that there was hope for my life when I was living in a hopeless situation. I'm so glad that somebody had the guts to tell me. Your destiny is to go to heaven, but your mission is to bring heaven. Your occupation may be to be a police officer, but your mission is to bring Jesus to the world. Your occupation may be a business owner, but your mission is to bring Jesus to the world. Your occupation may be a homemaker, but your mission is to bring Jesus to the world. Your occupation may be a burger flipper, but your mission is to bring Jesus Christ to the world. Your occupation may be a preacher, but your mission is still to bring Jesus to a lost in humanity. Number one, first of all, we want to look at who will go. Because that's the question that heaven is asking right now. Who will go? Turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 14. Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 14, and we'll read there, and then we're going to jump over to Mark 16, because Mark 16 gives us our marching orders. 
no matter what the government says. Okay. Mark 16 was given by Jesus, the commander in chief himself. There's no one that holds the highest office as Jesus does. Are you at Romans 10? Let's read there. It says in verse 14, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? You know what? Let's jump up to verse 8 and we'll come down. Let's just go back a little bit because it gives us more context. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, this is for those who do not know Jesus Christ that are here today and that are watching, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says in verse 11, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. So you can be Italian and call upon his name and be saved. You can be Hispanic and call upon his name and be saved. You can be African American and call on his name and be saved. Come on, you can be Irish Catholic and call on his name and be saved. Come on, it does. you can be Jewish and call on the name of the Messiah and you shall be saved. It goes on to say, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It makes no distinction who you are, no matter what your social class is, no matter what neighborhood you came from, no matter what situation you may be faced with, no matter what you're going through, no matter the color of your skin, uh, no matter the background, you could be in prison right now, but if you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. Uh, you, may be going, you may be down and out today, but if you call on the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. Uh, you can be living in Laredo, Texas, uh, and call on his name. You can be living in San Diego, California and call on his name. You can be living in Portland, Oregon and give call on the name of the Lord. You shall be saved. You can be in New York City in the Bronx but if you call on the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. And then here's the question, verse 14. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Somebody shout preacher. He's not just talking about those that stand behind the pulpit. Okay. He's, he's looking for whoever who's had an encounter with Jesus Christ, who've had your sins forgiven, your life transformed, you are a new creation in Christ, and he says to us, how shall they hear? 
How should they hear unless there is a preacher that will go and tell somebody about the good news of Jesus Christ? Somebody shout preacher. How shall they preach unless, verse 15, they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. This is not a gospel of division. This is not a gospel of strife and contention. This is not a gospel that tears down, but this is a gospel that builds up. The the only thing this gospel tears down is the powers of darkness. This gospel tears down sickness. This gospel tears down racism. This gospel tears down leukemia. This gospel tears down cancer. This gospel tears down divorce. This gospel tears down generational curses. This gospel tears down the powers of hell. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Let's look over in Mark 16. Remember I said that Mark 16 is your marching orders. Regardless of what a mayor or a governor told you. Okay. These are your marching orders by Jesus himself. Starting in verse 15. Even your constitution gives you a right to do this. You know, I wasn't going to go there. I'm I'm trying to be real nice today. But I'm sick and tired of people telling me how to dictate my my worship. I'm going to open my mouth and I'm going to praise God whether you tell me or not. I'm going to have church. I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to see people saved. I'm going to lay hands on the sick. And there's nothing you can do to stop me. Because my God said that I should go into all the world and preach the gospel. And if you want to put me in jail, put me in jail. We'll have a prison ministry. See, I earned my stripes on the streets. When I got saved, we would go out and we would share the gospel and we would go to the projects and we would go to the inner cities and we would go downtown and we would gather together and we would stand on the corner and we begin to declare the gospel and we would begin to let people know that Jesus loves them and there would be gunshots and there would be violence going on, but we would stand there because we weren't afraid. We weren't ashamed of the gospel because we knew what God did for us and we had to give it to somebody else. I didn't earn my stripes in the pulpit. I earned them on the street. We would stand there, my wife and I, and the rest of us, 19, 18, 17, 20-year-olds, out there proclaiming the gospel, uh, getting people saved on the streets, uh, praying for crackheads, uh, and praying for those who were strung out uh, on drugs, uh, and praying for those uh, who were out there banging and slinging, and we would be bold enough to go right where they live to let them know there was a better way. It's 
So you don't tell me to stop preaching the gospel. And you don't tell me I can't have Thanksgiving with my family either. All right, let me get back on point here. Excuse me. Mark 16, verse 15. And he said to them, this is Jesus, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name, not in the name of a religion, not in the name of a denomination, not in the name of an organization, but in the name above every name. Somebody shouted, Jesus. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. He didn't say stop laying hands on the sick just because there was a pandemic. He didn't say, he didn't say stop laying hands on the sick just because somebody told you not to. He said you will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. He was not talking just about pastors. He was not talking about evangelists like myself. He was talking about every born-again believer that has been washed in the blood of Jesus. Verse 19, so then after the Lord had spoken to them, He was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. Verse 20, and they went out and preached everywhere. Bedford, come on somebody. Arlington, Rockwall, come on, McKinney. And they went everywhere. They went everywhere. Come on somebody. And they went and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them. And confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. It's God's job to save, but it's your job to go. Because if you will go, God will back up the word. If you will be obedient to what he said, he will show himself strong on your behalf. If you will have enough guts to go and open your mouth, the Lord will begin to use your life. You may say, but I'm afraid talking to people. I'm shy. Are you baptized in the Holy Ghost? Because if you're not, you can get baptized in the Holy Ghost. I didn't like talking to people. I was a little shy, believe it or not. But when I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, I could not, I could shut my mouth up. I began to go around telling everybody. I was a senior in high school and I was letting my old class know that Jesus died on the cross, that Jesus loved them, that Jesus saved my soul, that Jesus delivered me from alcohol, that he broke every bondage in my life. I could not shut my mouth because there was something that happened on the inside of me that no man could do, no church could do. There was nothing that could do what God did for me. This boldness got on me, brother. This boldness got on me, and I would just begin to go. I would be on the bus 
telling people about Jesus. There they are sitting trying to read the paper and I'm telling them about Jesus handing out tracts on the street corners downtown St. Louis telling people about Jesus and when Brandon's father would come to town Pastor Larry, Evangelist Larry Reed we would go out to the projects and he would begin to street preach. He would begin to declare the glory of God and we would stand there with him and all of a sudden people begin to open their windows and open their doors and begin to come outside because they begin to hear hope. They begin to hear good news. They begin to hear the gospel. They begin to hear someone who had an encounter with God and we would begin to see people give their lives to Christ on the very sidewalk. Pastor Reed, Brandon Reed's father was a trip. He was a trip. If you ever knew him, he was, a, he was awesome. Got, got saved and delivered. He was in San Quentin for years. Got locked up for possession. Got delivered, got set free, and started preaching on the beaches of Southern California. Was going through, I believe, Teen Challenge and began to just get on fire for God. He would come to town, and the, the dude was white, but he, he, he looked like a cholo. He had this thick, long brocha, and man, his hair was slicked back. He wore a leather jacket. Man, he had these nice baggies on, and he wore Stacy Adams. I said, this dude must be real. But man, when he got behind the pulpit and preached, man, it got your attention. And he would preach old school. He wasn't these new school preachers that, you know, just give you like a talk or a discussion. No, he would just flat out preach. I remember he was giving his testimony one day. We would see him at conference and he would be preaching. And he was sharing his testimony when he got locked up. And this is how he talked because he had a raspy voice. It was real raspy. And he would say, man, man, I, they took me down to the holdovers. I, I was bent. I, I was cursing. I, it's a bummer. I, I'm here on a bum beef. I, what's wrong with these fools? I, they didn't jacked up and smacked 20 on me, Holmes. Some of you had no idea what I just said. That's how he preached. But the man was a soul winner. Oh my gosh. The man was a soul winner. I would love, I, I used to love going out. That's how I learned. I learned how to street preach watching evangelists read. I learned how to connect because when he preached, he wasn't condemning. He wasn't like, you're all going to hell. This man would connect with people because he'd been there. And when he preached, man, people would just move. They would just move because he was able to connect and share the gospel in a way that touched people right where they were. God created you from the dust. But he didn't intend for you to stay there. God didn't save you to be religious. He didn't save you just to ride a pew on Sunday mornings for two hours or an hour and a half. 
God save you to help somebody. God save you to heal somebody. God save you to tell somebody. God save you to, to be a blessing to somebody. God save you to bring the gospel to somebody. No matter what your age is, uh, nine years old, 19 years old, or 90 years old, God saved you to be a blessing. He didn't save you just for yourself. Uh, he saved you to help bring somebody else into the kingdom of God. Uh, God didn't save you just to hang out uh, and stay the same the rest of your life. He saved you to touch this world with the gospel. This is what I was birthed in when I got saved at 17. We, this is what I learned as a young 17-year-old teenager. We would go out, man, we would, we would tell people about Christ. Man, some of them would get flat out mad, curse us out, all kind of stuff. I had one dude pull a knife on me. I had one guy cold cock me, and I almost lost my salvation. <laughs> I got to tell you the story. So I'm in a fried rice joint, right? St. Louis. And we're about to get rice, a good friend of mine from the church. And so, you know, I mean, we just witness everywhere we go. In the restaurants, on the plane, in the airport, at the gym. Are you with me? It don't matter where you're at. There are lost people everywhere. So we're in line waiting for the fried, for the pork fried rice. Now, they used to say poke fried, not pork fried. And all, there's a guy in front of us, and man, we just start sharing the gospel with him. And the dude was already high. You could see it in his eyes, man. He was, he was, he was already on cloud 10. And we're sharing the gospel with him. This dude, man, he got all mad. And all of a sudden, before you know it, my face did like this. Boom, boom. He got two in on me. And I'm like, what the? And I had to catch myself because I'm like, all right, it's, it's, gonna, it's, it's like that, huh? <laughs> How many know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you know. So all of a sudden, I, I, I caught myself, and I'm like, dang, man. That's a nice right hook. <laughs> so I stood back, and here I am in the middle of the fried rice restaurant, and I just begin to lift my voice and begin to declare. I said, you know what? You can hit me all you want to, but God still loves you. He still gave his life for you. He still died for you. He still went to the cross for you. He is the one that you need in your life. As I'm preaching, there was two old African-American ladies on the right side, and all of a sudden I hear them say, Amen, preach it, go ahead. They never kicked me out, and I just kept on preaching. <laughs> he got his rice and just stormed out. I said, he still loves you as he's walking out. <laughs> Reinhard Bonnke said this. He said, when souls are no longer a priority in the church, the church has already begun to die. The church that does not reach the loss has lost itself. This is the whole reason for this church. This is the whole reason and the purpose for every church. To know God and to make him known. 
to be a worshiper of God and a deliverer of people. This is the mission of the church of Jesus Christ. Let's turn to Isaiah 6, 8. Isaiah 6, 8. When you get there, just say, I'm with you. Amen. Isaiah 6, 8. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, here's the question again. Because God's, this question has been a question that has been sounding out throughout the generations. It has never stopped. And he said, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then Isaiah said, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. I remember when, man, I was just a brand new Christian and I would go to the, these conferences in Prescott, Arizona. And there would be pastors that were from all over the world. Pastor Huck would be one of the lineup. Pastor Greg would be one of those on the lineup. And I would hear these men and they would preach and they would have an opportunity for them to come. Those who had been sent out in different places, you know, Thailand, Japan, Mexico, City, Australia, different parts of the world. They would come back and they would give these men and women an opportunity to report and share what God is doing in these places that they would go and plant churches in. And here I am, just a, just a, young, just a young Christian. And I would hear these men and women who, who, who sold it all to go to different places in distant lands. And they would share how they, they packed up their families and they packed up their kids and, and they went to a foreign land and they began to establish a work for God and they began to see people come to Christ. They began to see people delivered. They would begin to see people baptized in the spirit. And here they are, these young couples would come and they would let people know what God was doing in their cities and their countries. And I would sit in my seat, moved, moved in my heart, just praying. God that you would do something in my life that God you would send me that God you would use me that God you would do something in my life uh, I may not go to Thailand I may not go to Japan but God use me right where I am uh, here am I God send me and at the end of the conference, they would call up the couples. Uh, they were about to go into other places and cities for the very first time. And the place would just be lined up with people. Couples going to here. Couples going to this city. Couples going to that city. And my heart was moved uh, because I saw people risk it all for the gospel. Uh, they, didn't, they weren't worrying about themselves. Uh, they wanted to do the will of God. Uh, they knew that they had a message. Uh, that must be brought to the world and they were they did whatever it took just to get the gospel to the nations of the world my heart was moved and changed and i will never be the same because of the things that i witnessed as i saw these men and women answer the call the question today is will you go 
You may not go to Japan. You may not go to Mexico City. You may not go to Perth, Australia. But will you go where you're at right now? How many of you will be, be willing to go with Pastor Wannison and I to go out and witness to people one-on-one? Amen. Because we're going to do it. Let me tell you something. We're going to do it. And we have been, but we're going to do it even more. We're going to turn it up. How many know it's time to turn it up? Just do like this, just, you know, like you had one of the most stereos back in the day. Just turn it up. Let me tell you something, and I don't say this as a criticism, because we need to do this and we will continue to do this. Feeding people is not the gospel. Now, in saying that, should we feed people? Absolutely. Should we take care of widows and orphans? The Bible says so. Absolutely. Should we help people make Aliyah to Israel? Absolutely. Should we take care of Holocaust survivors? Absolutely. But, but the preaching the gospel is sharing the good news with someone who does not know Christ. Someone who has never given their lives to Jesus and presenting the gospel message to someone who is lost and without God and seeing them come to Christ. That's preaching the gospel. That's going into all the world. Should we take care of the homeless? Absolutely. Jesus said the poor you'll always have with you. Yes, we need to feed the poor and we will continue feed the poor. But that does not change the fact that you and I need to open our mouths and tell somebody. It does not change the fact that there are people around you that are dying. There are people in fear. There are people in confusion. There are people in hysteria. There are people who have no idea what's going on. There are people who have lost their livelihoods in the last nine months. There are people who have lost their jobs, their businesses. They're down and out. They're broke. They're hurting. There are people right now who are on the verge of suicide. Some of them have already committed suicide because they didn't see any way out. But they need you who have had an encounter with God. They need you to open your mouth. They need you to say something. They need you to share your testimony. They need you to pray for them. They need you to let them know there's a better way. That Jesus loves them. That Jesus died for them. And that Jesus can save their souls. Someone is waiting on you right now. Someone is waiting on you right now. 3,000 people were waiting for Peter in the book of Acts to stand up and proclaim the gospel. But right before that, he denied Jesus three times. And it looked like his ministry was over. But he got into the upper room, got baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire. The boldness of God came on this man and he stood up and began to proclaim the gospel. And 3,000 people in a crowd came to Jesus Christ. 
The city of Nineveh was waiting for Jonah to go. He didn't even want to go. He wanted to go fishing. (laughs) He wanted to go play his Xbox (laughs) if he had one. But when he went, (laughs) when he went after God convinced him, a whole nation came to God. The woman caught in adultery was waiting for Jesus to come and give her hope because the religious people were condemning her. She needed someone that would come and bring a hope to a hopeless situation. The city of Macedonia was waiting for Paul to go and he had a dream of a man. He had a, God gave him a dream and there was a man in the city of Macedonia saying, come and help us. Come and bring the good news. Come and tell us about your God. We need you. And he went and began to touch the city of Macedonia. Egypt was waiting for Joseph. The children of Israel were waiting for Moses to get his act together and begin to confront the government of his day. He confronted the government of his day. He didn't comply. He wasn't being a good Christian, whatever you want me to do. No, he had a word from God that my people need to be delivered. My people need to come out of slavery. My people need to come out of bondage. My people need to be free. I need a man that will stand. I need a man that will be bold and bring my people out of slavery. Someone was waiting for Jesus. Someone is waiting for you. It could be a family member who's strung out right now. It could be a loved one. It could be a neighbor. It could be a co-worker. It could be someone at the gym if your gym is open. It could be somebody at the restaurant. It could be somebody at the airport. It could be somebody at, b- beside you on the plane that you're on. It could be somebody. Don't worry about if they have a mask on or not. Just tell them. Come on, somebody. Don't let these things stop you from telling people about Jesus. The devil wants to stop you. He's trying to intimidate us. He's trying to intimidate the church. But let me tell you something. The church of Jesus Christ would not be intimidated. We are not ashamed of the gospel. We are not ashamed to tell people about the love of God. And we will keep declaring it until our dying day. We will never stop proclaiming the good news. And if they ask you to put one on, to talk to them, then put it on. Don't let that one get away just because of that. Serious. This is not the time for the church to retreat. Not the time for us to disengage. 
This is a time for us to advance. This is a time for us to occupy till Jesus comes. He said, occupy till I come. He didn't say, don't worry about when the rapture comes. And don't even be look, don't even be concerned about the rapture. I believe in the rapture. There's some people don't believe in it. That's your business. You're wrong. But I know that he's coming back to take us home. But I'm not worrying about the day, the time, the moment, the season. He said, occupy till I come. He said, occupy till I come. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He said, let somebody know what Jesus has done for you. Don't be worrying about times and dates and seasons. You be about your father's business. In 1993, 89% of Christians who shared their faith agreed that it is the responsibility of every Christian. 89. This is a 93. Today, just 64% say so. A 25% drop according to Barna Research. My question is, what happened? Because the mission has always stayed the same. The Great Commission has never been rescinded. I mean, last I checked, there was no memo. Are you with me? It's still the same. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. But I'm not a pastor. Do you have a testimony? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Do you have an experience with God? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Has God done something for you? Then go into all the world and preach the gospel. If God has done a miracle for you, go into all the world and preach the gospel. You don't have to have a business card. You don't have to have a program on Daystar. You don't have to have a best-selling book. You don't have to have a blog. Come on, you don't have to have this or that. All you need is a testimony. All you need is a testimony. All you need is some, an encounter with God, an experience with God. That's all you need. And you don't have to argue with anybody. I refuse to argue about what's the truth. See, a person... A person with an experience is not at the hands of a person with an argument. I was sharing the gospel with a friend yesterday. And, you know, he he grew up Catholic, but, you know, he's not living for God, don't even know if there is a God. Him and his wife probably would consider themselves agnostic. And I'm just sharing with him what Jesus has done for me. Just share with him what he's done for me and how he changed my life. And I just began to just share my testimony. I said, I was raised in church, but I left because of hypocrites. Anybody else ever done that? It's a few hands. He said, so what did you do then, you know, if you left because of hypocrites, why did you go back? And I said this to him. I said, 
Because I realize I'm have to stand before God for my own life. I said to him, I said, every man and woman on this earth will stand before God and give account of their lives. Everyone. And however you live your life will determine where you will spend eternity. There is a heaven to gain and there's a hell to shun. Hell is real. Mainstream, mainstream preachers don't preach about hell, but hell is still real. And a person who does not give their life to Christ and, they end their, and their life ends, they will not go to heaven. They will go to hell. Did I stutter? That's what the Bible says. That, that's not my saying. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says there is no other name under heaven whereby man can be saved. Muhammad can't save you. Muhammad cannot save you, but Jesus Christ can. Krishna cannot save you, but Jesus can. Hinduism cannot save you, but Jesus can. Your education won't save you, but Jesus can. Your political party can't save you, but Jesus can. There is no other name. Your church can't save you. You can go to church for 20 years and still go to hell. Because religious people don't go to heaven. Born again people go to heaven. Born again people go to heaven. It's not enough to be religious. One of the last day signs is people will have a form of godliness but deny the power. They go to church, they praise the Lord, but on the inside they are dead as dead can be and there is no life. They are religious. Religion is man's attempt to try to reach God in his own efforts. But heaven's attempt is sending Jesus Christ to reach down and touch you in your broken condition. This is what the Bible says. We cannot sit on the sidelines while the world is going to hell. That's why I'm burdened today. And I have been for many years. And I pray that that burden will never lift. And that burden is simply this. That my heart and that your heart will be moved by the things that move God's heart. That you would have a compassion that comes on you for hurting and lost and broken people. That you will not go through your life and the course of your life and never consider the person that's around you and there and where they will spend eternity. We get so busy with life and we get so busy with what we're doing and we forget that there are people right now slipping into eternity, slipping into eternity, slipping into eternity. Just, I just heard the other day from a father across the street that his youngest son just died. He was in his, he was only, I think in his early 30s. Didn't even know it. I used to witness to this man. My son, Josh, knows him. I used to witness to him. Every, when, I, when I would see him, I would pray for him. I would talk to him. I would invite him to church. And I just found out the other day, he slipped into eternity. Yeah. 
I didn't get a chance to ask his father if he made a decision for Christ because I really hope and pray that he gave his life to Jesus before he left. Many are in the valley of decision right now. Many around you that are about to lose it all. They're, they're about to slip into eternity. Their lives are broken and hurting. There's this, and they may not say a word. They may not say a word. But we need to have a burden in our hearts that will say, God, I'm going to tell somebody. I'm going to let somebody know. I'm not going to live my life for myself. I'm not going to live my life being selfish. I don't want to go to heaven by myself. I want to take as many people to heaven with me. I want to see as many people come to Christ that I can reach for the kingdom of God. Because if I go to heaven and it's all by myself, what was it for? What was it for? That if I get there and I don't have anybody, that I brought with me. Where are the people that when you got saved, you were so on fire, you couldn't shut your mouth and you would just tell anything walking about Jesus. But today you can hardly get a peep out of them. See, the longer you're saved, the more on fire you should become. I mean, seriously, why is it that when people get saved and out 10 years down the road and they're just like, they're religious? Where's your fire? Where's your hunger? Where's your passion? Where's that risk it all attitude? Who are you telling about Jesus? Who are you leading to Christ? Who are you praying for right now to, to God to save this person? Who's on, who's on your prayer list right now that you are targeting to see them come to Christ right now? And let me tell you something. Just praying for people is not preaching the gospel. Telling people is preaching the gospel. This is what Jesus says. He said, Pray that the Lord of the harvest would send labors into the harvest field. It's okay to pray for people. I pray for people who get saved all the time in my prayer time. But that's not the end of the story. Somebody's got to go. Somebody's got to stand up. Somebody has got to push aside the feeling of being ashamed. Because God's not making you feel ashamed. That's the enemy. Who cares what people think that you are a Bible thumper? I don't care. I am a Bible thumper. I am a Jesus freak. Because I know what he did in, in my life. I know what he set me free from. I know where he brought me free from. I know where I was headed. And I know where I'm going now. And I can lay my head down on the pillar every night knowing I'm going to heaven because Jesus gave his life for me. We can't leave it up to the TV preachers. God bless them. 
We can't leave it up to the TV preachers. This is all hands on deck for the saving of souls. All hands on deck. It's a Navy term. That means everyone's involved. You don't get to sit in your, you don't get to sit in your rack and go to sleep. No, all hands on deck right now. All hands. I'll end with this. I don't know if you ever watched the movie Schindler's List. I watched it years ago when I lived in Oceanside, California. And it was very difficult to watch then. It was very difficult. Matter of fact, at the end of the movie, when the lights came on, everyone just stood in their seats, and there was just this silence. People were crying. People were stirred. And it was just like you were just stunned. At the end of the movie, the man by the name of Oscar Schindler, if you've seen the movie, those of you have not, There was a man named Oscar Schindler who was part of the Nazi party. He was a businessman. And as the Nazis began to gather up Jews and began to send them to the concentration camps and the things that happened during the Holocaust, God moved on the heart of a man who was not even born again. Because what was sad is that there was so much silence from the church during the Holocaust. When there were people that were dying, burned alive, used as experiments, and much of the church didn't say anything. There were people like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a German pastor, who began to speak out on the evils of the Nazi party and the government, and they locked him up. But there were very few that will stand up and speak. Most of them were just silent and they didn't say a word. So here's Oscar Schindler who has these factories. And he began to gather a list of Jews that they had prepared to send to the concentration camps. That's why the movie's called Schindler's List. It was a list of several, several hundred people that he had bribed the Nazi officers and gave them lavish gifts just to get these people from going to these concentration camps, and he employed them in his factories just to save them from death. At the end of the movie, excuse me, as he's getting ready to leave, the Soviets are coming in, And he was getting ready to escape so that he wouldn't be caught by the Soviets. The the people began to gather around him that worked for him, all these Jews. One of them presented him with a ring. I gave him a letter first and then a ring that they had made. Apparently, they did it from the teeth. It was a gold ring that they did it from the teeth. They took the, the, the gold out of someone's tooth and made a ring. But anyway, they presented him with the ring. And on that ring, in Hebrew, was a saying from the Talmud. Many of you heard it. And it says that he or whoever saves a life, it is as if 
they have saved the world entire. How many have heard it? They presented him with this ring. He looks at it, and all of a sudden he begins to get visibly moved. And he begins to say, I could have got one more. It's moving. I could have got one more. He said, I didn't do enough. And he begins to look at his car. I could have sold this car. I could have got one more. I could have, I could have rescued one more. I, I could have saved one more. And Itzhak Stern, one of the men that gave it to him, says, he's, Oscar says, I didn't do enough. He says, you did so much. And he begins to go on and say, I could have, I could have did more. I could have did more. And he says, and, and then one of the men say to him, that because of you, generations will live. Generations will live. And the man begins to break down. He, he drops down to his knees. And he begins to just cry in Itzhak's arms and says, I didn't do enough. I just wasted so much money. I could have I I gotten one more. I could have gotten one more. And I think about that for people also spiritually who are dying. That when we get to the end of our life, it won't matter how much money we have. It won't matter how big our homes are or how many cars we have. When we get to the end of life, it won't matter how many possessions we have. When we get to the end of our lives, the only thing that will matter, number one, is that we're right with God. And number two, did I bring somebody with me? Let it not be like Oscar Schindler who says, I could have got one more. I could have I brought one more, I, but I was, I was too busy thinking about myself. I could have got one more. There's a scripture that says in Jude, and I'll end with this. Jude 1, 23 in the New Living Translation, it says, Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to still others, but do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. That is the job of the church of Jesus Christ, to rescue those and snatch them from judgment. There's coming a day when every man and woman will stand before God, and they will be judged for the life that they live. And they will give account of their lives. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. And after that, the judgment. You don't come back roaming the earth and scaring relatives. <laughs> they don't feature you on, house hun- on, on, on ghost hunters. Come on, somebody. When you die, you leave this earth. And you don't come back. And you will give account of your life. And you will spend eternity in one or two places, heaven or hell. There is no coming back. What you do in this life will determine where you will spend eternity.
But I've got good news for you. I know a man named Jesus who left heaven for you. He left a perfect place because he loves you so very much. He left the glory of heaven to come down and walk this earth and to let the world know that there is an answer and that there is hope and that he is life to those who have no life. He walked this earth. He went about doing good, healing, loving, saving, rescuing, and then he gave his life on the cross. A perfect man, a sinless man who never sinned. He was a He was a perfect lamb that was slain, the Bible says, before the foundations of the earth. And the blood that he shed is the same blood that will wash your sins away. Anything that you have done wrong, God will forgive if you will ask him. No matter what it is from A to Z, the blood of Jesus will wipe it away. The blood of Jesus will break every generational curse and cycle of failure in your life today you may be on your way to hell but today you can be on your way to heaven before you leave this place of those that are watching right now because Jesus Christ is the answer for all humanity he laid down his life for you now it's time to live your life for him I want every head bowed every eye closed just for a moment If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, maybe you've gone to church before, but you're not really living for God. You may be considered an agnostic. You may be an atheist. Are you just just living your life, but you know that there is something missing on the inside of you? I remember when I was, was not serving God, I was away from him. I remember the emptiness that I felt in my heart. I felt so hollow on the inside. I was so hollow. I felt like there was nothing there, and I felt like I was losing myself, and I didn't know how to get it back. I felt like my life was slipping away. I didn't didn't know what to do to get it back. But somebody told me that Jesus loved me. Somebody began to confront me about my sin and began to tell me there's a better way. I didn't want to hear it, and I protested and got mad and made excuses, but I could not deny the conviction that I felt from heaven. And one day I walked into a storefront church in Florence, Missouri, and I went down to an old-fashioned wooden altar, and I knelt down and gave my life to Christ. I'm never the same. I'm so glad God saved me. Because I was lost. I was so lost. But somebody had enough guts to tell me that Jesus was the answer for me. So I have dedicated to spend my life telling others about that love. Because I don't want to go to heaven alone. I want the world to know 
that Jesus Christ is their only hope. Because what God has done in me, there was no man could do, no church could do, no religion could do. Nothing on this earth has changed my life like Jesus. And if you're here today, and you are watching by stream, and you want to give your life to Jesus today, you want to surrender your life to Christ, he's not mad at you. He loves you very much. He didn't create you to send you to hell. He really didn't. But the choice is up to you where you will spend eternity. If you die today, where would you go? Where would you spend eternity? But if you want to give your life to Jesus, I want you to slip up your hand right now all across this building. Just slip it up right now. You want to give your life to Jesus. I see those hands going up. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand in the back. I see that hand. I, I see that hand. Anyone else? I see that hand. You want to give your life to Jesus. Maybe you've never lived for God, but you want to give your life to him for the very first time. Just slip it up. If you're watching by stream, just slip up your hand. We may not see it, but let me tell you something. God sees it, and that's all that really matters. If you're there in the stream church and you want to give your life to Jesus, just slip it up right now. Those that will watch this later at some time, you want to give your life to Jesus, just slip it up right now if that's you. Just slip up your hand. Just signifying the fact that I want to give my life to Christ. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of running. I'm ready, to come to, I'm ready to come to Christ. Maybe you're a backslider. Maybe you're away from God. Maybe you're lost and without him. You're, you once knew him, but you're away from God. And you want to come back home. You want to rededicate your life to him. I want you to slip up your hand and put it back down if that's you. You're, you're a backslider, but you want to rededicate your life to Jesus. Those that are watching, just slip it up if that's you. I see those hands. God bless you. Those of you that raised your hands, I want you to stand in, up in your seats right now. Just go ahead and just stand up right now. I promise I won't embarrass you. I'm not going to give you the mic. I'm not going to do anything like that. I just want to pray with you, that's all, before you leave this place today. Just stand with me right now. Did you mean that? Did you mean that back there? Did you guys mean that? God knows you, God knows you did. I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. I want everyone to just stand and support. Can we all just stand with them? Can we just stand in solidarity and support with them? Can we pray this prayer? Those that are watching, repeat this prayer after me. Make this prayer your own. Mean it with all your heart because God hears you and God's going to save you. Pray this with me right now. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. We've all sinned. But I know this, that Jesus Christ has paid the price for my sin, paid the price for my wrongdoings. And Father, I ask you to forgive me of all my wrongs. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. Be my Lord, be my Savior.
I give my life to you. Satan, get out of my life. Get out of my mind. Get out of my body. Get out of my family. Get out of my life. I close the door on you. Right now and forever. I open my heart to Jesus Christ. And I invite you in my life. And to be my Savior, I give my life to you. Jesus, you died for me starting today. With your help and your grace, I'm going to live for you. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for being my Lord. Amen. Let's give these wonderful people a big God bless you. Come on, let's just thank God for them. Two more things real quickly. I know I'm running out of time, but I've I've got to do this. Two more things. Number two, I want to pray for anyone who needs a miracle or healing in your body. If you need a healing in your body, just slip up your hand right now. You need a miracle. Just slip it up. I want you to place your hand on your body or wherever that you need God to heal you. Because let me tell you something. God is going to heal you today. He's already saved people. All, and all of this is a part of the salvation package. Salvation, healing, deliverance, freedom, blessing, joy, favor. It's all a part of it. And if you have a family member you're standing next to, I want you to lay your hands on them. Remember we read in Mark 16 that if we lay hands on the sick, they will recover. Okay? I'm going to pray a prayer, and then I want you to begin to exercise your faith. And after this prayer, I want you to do something that you could not do before by faith. You ready? And after this, we're going to pray a prayer for everyone that God would use you in this generation. Some of you are called to be apostles. Some of you are called to be prophets. Some of you are called to be pastors, teachers, evangelists. Some of you are called to be business people. Some of you are called to be whatever, whatever. But I pray that the anointing of God and the burden of God will come upon you to reach people for Jesus like you never have before. That'll be my last prayer, and then we'll release you. But let's pray right now. God's going to heal you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are a miracle-working God today. We thank you that your spirit is so rich and strong in this place today. Heaven is rejoicing because people have come to Jesus. The angels are dancing and having a party right now because people have come out of darkness into the light. But Lord, I thank you that you are also a healer. You are a miracle-working God today. And in the name of Jesus... I take authority and rebuke every sickness known to man. I rebuke every spirit of infirmity. I rebuke every cancer. I take authority over arthritis. I rebuke scoliosis. I rebuke migraine headaches. I take authority over pain. 
I rebuke every injury and command it to be healed. I cast out sickness. I judge you and I rebuke you. Loose God's people and let them go right now in Jesus' name. I command healings to begin to flow. I command bodies to be made whole. I command life to come. I command range of motion. I speak and release the healing anointing of God to flow to those who are watching and to those here right now. Be healed in the mighty name of Jesus Christ today. Be made whole. Just begin to praise him and thank him for it. Just praise him and thank him for it. Now, I want you to do something you could not do. I want you to begin to move, begin to bend God's healing backs, shoulders. I want you to do something you could not do. Just go ahead and exercise your faith. I know it doesn't make sense, but they were healed as they went. Let me say it again. They were healed as they went. Now, if you feel a 50% difference in your body, raise your hand right now. Don't, you don't have to wait for 100. If you at least have 50, we will get to the 100. Anyone right now, you know that there's a difference in your body. You feel it. Tell us what's happening right now. Your shoulder. Did you have pain before? Where's the pain at? The pain is gone. He said, it's way better. Thank, come on, give him praise right now. Who else? Somebody else. You feel a, at least a 50% difference in your body. Raise your hand. You feel, what's the difference? Did you, did you, where did you have pain at, Sean? Ankle? And where's the pain at right now? It's completely gone. Come on, give God praise. He told me before the, before the service in prayer, when we were praying in the back, that he, was, he needed healing today. And God just stepped in and did it. Anybody else? You sense a difference in your body right now. You feel the, anybody, you feel the pain leaving. Raise your hand right now. Brother, tell us what's happening. Where's the pain at? Is the pain, do you feel a difference in the pain? Let's pray right now for those of you that may have a 50%. Because how many know God does a complete healing? He doesn't leave you hanging. So in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God, right now for what you're doing in your people. We thank you that you're walking these aisles healing and restoring and setting people free. And I thank you for 100% healings today. I thank you that pain is leaving. We command pain to go and healing to come into God's people in the mighty name of Jesus. I command healing to go right now. We send it out and we release it to those right now that are watching and those that are here. Behold in Jesus' name. Do something you couldn't do. We're almost done. Just do something. Some of you, God's healing your back. Who has got a, he a, ba a healing in your back right now? that your back is being healed. Back here, God's touching your back right now. Come on, let's give God praise for that. Brother, how you feeling right now? Any more pain? 
pain is gone. Jesus said you would do this. And you didn't even need me to lay hands on you. I'm just a dark guy from East St. Louis, Illinois. Seriously, I'm not the big deal. Jesus is the big deal. He said you would do this. He said you would do this. He said you would do this. And God is raising up a generation of men and women who have an encounter with God. Your destiny is to go to heaven, but your mission is to bring heaven to this world. My last prayer, we'll end with this. My last prayer, I want you to lift your hands. How many, will, will, how many of you will go with Pastor Wanderson and I to go share the gospel with people? We, we need people that will go with us. We may go to parks. We may go to malls. We may go in, into the inner city. We may go any place. It does not matter. Wherever people are hurting, we're going to go. But we need people to go with us to have an encounter with God. And we might even do some street preaching if you're, if you're up to it. We want, you, know, you know, Evangelist Reed, he would start preaching. And, man, he would get going. And then all of a sudden he would hand the mic to somebody else just without, without notice. All of a sudden you got a mic stuck in your mouth and you got to say something. But that's how we learn. We learn. So, you know, I'm not promising anything. But we need an army. We need an army. America needs Jesus. And God has placed you here for this time to represent heaven for him. You and I, you're going to heal the sick. You're going to raise the dead. You're going to cast out devils. You're going to set people free. You're going to win so many people to the Lord. God's going to use you right where you are. And some of you might go to the nations. Get ready. Some of you might go to Australia. Some of you might go to Africa. Some of you might go to Japan. Some of you might go to China. And some of you may not. We can't win everyone to Christ, but we can win someone to Christ. I used to feel bad because I couldn't win the whole world. And God began to deal with me. Well, just start with the one that's in front of you. Just go from there. Don't worry about everyone. Worry about, be concerned about someone. Just takes the weight off. Let me pray for you. We got to go. Father, I thank you for these warriors. I thank you for these men and women who have been called out of darkness into your light. I thank you that you call them, Lord, before they were ever born, to know you and to make you known, to be worshipers of God and deliverers of men. Holy Spirit, come upon them like never before. I pray that the, the burden of the Holy Spirit, the burden of God would come upon their hearts. Where they will, they will begin to cry out for souls. They will begin to cry out for lost people. They would begin to pray. They would fast. They would seek your face. And then they would go and open their mouths and let people know of the goodness of God. Use them on their jobs. Use them in their businesses. Use them in their neighborhoods. Use them in their families. 
Use them, Lord, wherever they go, wherever they may be, at the restaurants, Lord, at the stores, wherever they are. God, use their lives for the kingdom of God. Raise up an army that will go throughout this land declaring the goodness and the love and the grace of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Let the anointing of God come upon them today. Let their hearts break for the loss. Let a compassion come upon them. Let the fire of the Holy Spirit come upon them and baptize them with boldness from heaven. Father, release the gifts of the Spirit operating in their lives. Use them to prophesy. Use them to give words of knowledge. Use them in the discerning of spirits. Use them in the gift of faith and the working of miracles. Use them in the gifts of healing. Let the power and the love of God flow through them. And as they go, confirm your word in their lives. With signs and wonders following. And we will carefully always give you all the praise and the glory for using our lives. Because we know we're nothing without you. We know that we're nothing without you. But we yield our lives for the kingdom of God. We yield our lives for the mission to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And we thank you that many lives will be touched and changed because we decided to go. And we thank you that this world will never be the same because the Jesus people are rising in the earth right now. Let the anointing, let the boldness, let the fire of God come upon everyone that is watching and everyone that's here right now. And we give you praise for all that you're going to do in our lives in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody shout it real loud. Give him praise.